Welcome to the GateWorld Podcast. You are listening to episode number 115 of the GateWorld Podcast. I'm Darren. I'm David. And this is the show where two nerds talk about Stargate. And David, I am so excited that once again we have a third nerd on the show tonight uh we're talking about the science of sgu part two we did this several months ago uh talking about the science of the show in season one with diane turncheck and we've got her back tonight are we ready to just beam her in and get into it let's uh let's contact the asgard and get her down here hi hi there darren hi david nice to be here Welcome Thanks back to the for show. Inviting us, yes. Diane is the outreach coordinator for the physics department at Carnegie Mellon University. Now, I'm—is it Carnegie or Carnegie? I've heard it pronounced both ways. Yes, it is. It's both. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jeez. Well, it's great to have you back on the show. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Uh, the last show that we did uh, went over very well. I think everyone was really pleased with it, so we're tickled to have you back. Yeah, we have a lot on the on the slate here to uh, talk about. Let's um, let's jump right in. How, how do you um, what, what's your impression of season two so far as a viewer? Oh, I'm I'm ecstatic about it. It just really took off. Season one, excited, but not the way not the way this season has been. It's just a joy to sit down, anticipation. Get mm-hmm. ready, sit down and watch it. It's just been wonderful. Mm-hmm. I've loved every one of the episodes pretty much uniformly. Mm-hmm. Now, you know John Scalzi, don't you? Yeah, actually, we went back and forth by email this week talking oh, about the science. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So you're all prepped and ready to go. So much. I mean, he couldn't really say a lot because yeah. he kept saying, you know, we don't know what's happening right now, and mm-hmm. uh, there's more coming. There's more coming. Yeah, and I, I can't, I can't release any information, give away any spoilers, but because the show's been canceled, but not necessarily canceled in terms of the production team. So it's not like the show is done now, and they can tell us everything that they were planning on doing. Yeah, plus the fact that we have these ten episodes that are still unaired. Mm-hmm. What'd you think of the cancellation when you heard it? Um. Pretty devastated, but see, I'm I'm too much of an optimist. I never really think the worst unless, you know, when the ten episodes air and mm-hmm. they go by and mm-hmm. still nothing, then maybe I'll start being sad. But I'm not sad yet. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm I'm not sure what's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. I definitely kind of had that bit of a feeling myself, like because there's still ten more to go, so it's not. In, in terms of me as a viewer, it's not over. And I think when those 10 air and there's been no news, then it's more over. Um, and that'll be a little bit harder to swallow. But anyway, right. this yeah. is going I to know. be a fun show, not a I'm cancellation still show. watching some of the episodes of SGA and SG1, but I haven't finished either of those two seasons. Yet. Oh, okay. Um, I'm still on, let's see, season nine and season four or five so wow so you're just you're a lot of those um story arcs are still forming in your mind yes i we started watching it two years ago yeah (laughs) i believe watching every available minute and we're still not caught up yeah yeah it's a daunting task for a lot of people who uh 
I mean, people have told me, you know, I'd, I'd love to watch the show, but I'm sorry, I can't devote years of television There's viewing so to it. Much That's unacceptable. It. Yeah, but it's so I was, fun. This yeah. is true. A, f- a few a few weeks ago, I was calculating the number of hours that that Stargate has produced, well over 300, uh, including the movies and all that. And I was trying to calculate if you were to sit down and watch, you know, one episode a day, or you know, if if you're a marathon viewer like like so many of us are, you considering that they're forty two minutes long, and watch <laughs> and watch, uh, you know, four episodes an evening, fill up your whole evening and burn through a DVD. That it's, it's nearly three hours. Yeah, I mean, you're talking the better part of a year mm-hmm. uh, to get through the entire <laughs> Stargate series. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of data in there. Yeah, but at least it's a lot fresher in my mind, maybe, than some other people's. That's true. But, you know, I watched DS9 in a summer, and um, the entire series was compressed into one kind of story, which really it is. But I don't remember individual details. They're just not Mm. there. And I have to turn to someone, do you remember that one time (laughs) so-and-so did such and such? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's this episode. I'm like, well, I don't know. So a lot of uh, new story threads have been introduced uh, in this season. Some have been expanded on, both of which we will talk about in this, uh, in this uh, 45-minute period. But firstly, I think one of the, the interesting things that has been revealed has been the bridge. And along with the bridge, there's been this kind of interesting thing going on where, you know, it's kind of like a sci-fi staple now. A lot of shows, including Six Feet Under, which I've been watching recently allow the characters to see someone who is not there. Um, Paddlestar Galactica has done this. I think another show has, has done this fairly effectively. And in addition to that, a, on a couple of occasions, Destiny has also been feeding us information while we, were, while we are unconscious. It's pretty obvious that uh, this is what happened to TJ in the opening episode of the, uh, of the season, and it is clear that that's what happened to Colonel Young uh, Destiny was feeding him a kind of uh, battle scenario into his mind and using a great deal of computer power to do it, uh, mm-hmm. which is interesting in itself, I think. What, uh, what do you think is going on in terms of these story ideas from a, from a scientific perspective and, and for your opinion on um, how successful they are at presenting these, as, these storytelling ideas as solid stories? Yeah, I thought it was very interesting how they brought it up because at first... We didn't know what was going on. We see Franklin, we see Gloria, but we didn't really have that impression that the ship was responsible, the destiny yeah. was responsible for playing with their minds. But by the time we got to the battle scenario, yeah, it, it became very obvious. And then in retrospect, all the things that happened with TJ and the baby on the obelisk planet, that hit home. That mm-hmm. was really hard for me. I love babies. And I, it's mm. just that I know throwing a baby into a starship like this would have been a, a bad, it would have really sucked away a lot of the energy out of the rest of the crew doing things because babies seem to be their own little centers of attention. But um, I, I really, at being that, that, ridiculous optimist i'm still hoping that somehow that the baby is not gone here's Mm. what i would like to see happen i would i would like that gloria is actually destiny that's Mm -hmm. destiny's way of speaking to rush and franklin or franklin no i want franklin to just be franklin because Ah. franklin disappeared and he hasn't shown up and there he is 
So I mm-hmm. think Franklin might just be Franklin. Now, do you think um, that he might he might be corporeal Franklin? Because I speculated this no. when he first sort of appeared was that maybe it's it's Franklin himself. I mean, he vanished from the chair room. He's not physically in, present anymore, but maybe his consciousness yeah, in, is still totally intact. In season right. one, but maybe he's just sort of hiding on the bridge and stepped out from behind the bulkhead. Oh. And stepped back. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a speculation. Um, yeah, I, I tend to think that he's in the people's minds. We'll see when someone else sees him on the bridge. We'll see. Yeah, if, nobody has, right? Since we've, we've gotten our guys yeah, no onto the else. bridge, nobody else has seen. And Rush, as far as we know, has not seen Gloria or Franklin since well, everybody they, else found out about the they bridge. They served a purpose. Do they still serve a purpose while he's not alone on the bridge. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gloria's, Gloria was there to say, why are you here by yourself? Why aren't you telling anybody? Why aren't the other guys mm-hmm. here? And now the other people are there, so maybe her purpose is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's still left really uh, really open-ended as to where that's going to go. I'm, I'm still expecting, you know, kind of that the other characters are going to say, oh, yeah, I've been seeing these strange people, and, and no one's saying anything about it. Not really, but yeah. I, I really think that um, it's, it's latched on to Rush. And is doing is trying to figure him out, um, and the others are just kind of serving their purpose. The the other the other corporeal players on the ship. How would how do you think Destiny would achieve this? As an as an AI, if Destiny's been around for all these millions of years, and if Destiny is a self learning AI, we can't even imagine the kinds of things that can be done. Just now, we're starting into learning about the brain and how it functions. Um, People have been doing people at Carnegie Mellon here and and around the world have been doing some really interesting stuff with functional magnetic resonance imaging. They take a scanner, scan people's volunteers' brains while they're thinking of a certain word or a certain action, mm-hmm. and then take the pattern from the brain, and they can tell which word or which action they were thinking of way better than guessing. Um, wow. It's a, it's a really interesting technology. Mm. Um, Literally the, mind reading. Yeah, it really is. That's exactly what they're going for. They think that this might be useful in trials. <laughs> you mm. know, you, yeah, when you want to tell whether someone's telling the truth or not, the powerful fields in the MRI scanner, they are watching the insides of the brain, but you have to picture the hemoglobin molecules in the red blood cells. They have different properties, different magnetic properties when they're carrying oxygen than they do when they're not. And so what you're seeing when you have brain activity, you're seeing more oxygenated areas of the brain. And so that's why they can, they can pattern it so well. And you can, you can take a pattern of one person's brain thinking about an action. They showed some volunteers like a movie of a girl drinking a cup of coffee and throwing it in the garbage. Okay, then they they go to another person and they can see the same patterns in other people when they think of a certain word or a certain action. So it's it's not even just calibrated in one person and one person only. You could calibrate it once and then use it across many people. Yeah. I don't know. It's just that's just the tip of the iceberg of what's going on right now. And so we're being able to read people's minds with our technology. It's not that big a jump to be able to, for an AI millions of years old, 
to be able to put an image in people's minds in the same way. It's, it's physics, it's biology, it's medical science. So I, I definitely think it's, there's not even a question that destiny could do that. So you think it's studied our, it spent several months studying our brains and has now been able to figure out how to transmit wirelessly um, yes. various forms of, of stimuli? Yes, absolutely. Wow. The, Destiny might not quite understand people's whole brains and motivation and mm-hmm. empathy and feelings. We're a different There's, breed of man than the ancients. Yeah, were. we really are. And so it's a different, it's a, it's a learning process. But I think Destiny's been messing with <laughs> several people on the bridge. <laughs> I really wonder when I think about what Destiny is doing here, if it's wirelessly tapping into our, our crew... I wonder what the purpose of that chair was that that Rush sat in, that Franklin sat in. That Chloe uh, sat in. That Chloe sat in, because it seems like compared to what we see later on in the Ancients' development, you know, the Atlantis control chair or the, the control chair that was in the uh, Atlantis outpost in Antarctica, if that's more advanced technology of, of sort of a, a neural interface for controlling systems... Ah, the chair that we see on Destiny seems so rudimentary. You know, it's like physically drilling into mm-hmm. your brain. So then to jump from that, and now in season two, we have this sort of the, the AI is wirelessly not only tapping into brains, but, you know, giving us projected experiences. But only when they're asleep Surprising. or conscious, so far anyway. Not while they're waking. Mm-hmm. Well, except maybe Rush. Except for Rush when he's in that bridge. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and so then is there something special about the bridge that that's happening Ooh. there? Ooh, that's neat. It's kind of the mm. nervous center of, of the ship. I mean, so it could be that a lot of these things are coming together specifically in this location. Yeah, well, I was so interested in the first half of the season when, when all that Gloria and Franklin stuff was going on that as sort of mysterious as they are, and I was wondering... You know, are they both destiny? Are they both hallucinations? Is one a hallucination and one is destiny? Because they're not aware of each other, according to them. Yeah, they never show up at the same place at the same time, and Rush never sees them off the bridge. Right. And Franklin seems to be more focused on what's going on with the ship. Yeah, the sort of technical details. Mm-hmm. Whereas Gloria is very sort of, you know, focused on Rush as a person and... and sort of his his uh psychological with others dealing with this this situation this could really help a lot in future episodes the fact that destiny would be able to speak to the Mm -hmm. crew he said though that it's not sentient it doesn't have moods now certainly i think rush has been wrong on a couple of occasions yeah (laughs) yeah um i think i think it is sentient and i think it does have moods I mean, then the question begs, you know, why wasn't Atlantis more sentient? But, you know, the fact of the matter is that they're going with this this ship as kind of being some kind of an intelligence. The only question is what kind and how advanced. So, yeah, so it's, you're pretty it, – so it's, I think it's pretty clear that Destiny is some kind of an artificial intelligence that uh, that is uh, recognizing that it needs the uh, the crew to be uh, a certain state of mind in order to get its mission accomplished. I mean, look at TJ. Look at well, look at what it was clearly trying to do now. Make her mm-hmm. make her feel that in some way, 
with a logical context being the obelisk planet and those and those beings that were able to do a lot of different things it has enabled her um her daughter to go on so that she can then go on and perform her function this is what makes me think that that destiny may actually be an ai maybe sort of an intelligence that has its own personality and ongoing thoughts is because you know it's worry for tj here the ship is is just sort of worried about her state of mind the fact that she needs this hope to hold on to with the loss of awfully specific yeah i mean it's sort of it's it's psychologically concerned about her Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily it's not like it's concerned about her getting enough water or enough food i mean it's worried about her state of mind Mm -hmm. right but it is the first baby that maybe it's seen ever you think it has a thing for babies? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm almost thinking also that somehow as Franklin was brought into the ship mind, could anybody on the ship be also brought into the, the mind of destiny when they die on the mm. ship? Oh, mm. about that. They would have to die in the chair, I suppose. Mm. We're, not, we're not sure Franklin... Is dead though. Well, if so. it can wirelessly access our minds, who's to say right. it can't wirelessly copy our minds? We know oh, that's a, a lot of thought. a lot of the characters from the from the Obelisk Planet have been brought back just to die. Um, let's ponder that for a minute. There, maybe it has brought them back to copy their minds and add those minds to its ongoing growth of of neural data. Who knows? Okay, how many people have died on the ship so far? Um, including, well, how many were on the on the shuttle? Was it ten? Was it eight? Well, we certainly don't presume that Destiny was the one that brought those people back to life in visitation. That's not what you're intimating, no. is it? Unless it's no. working with ascended beings who are flying with the ship. I mean, who knows? <laughs> so, um, I mean, it does. It doesn't necessarily mean that Destiny was the one that brought them back. But Destiny could have made use of yeah simply benefited from that yeah benefited from it so or yeah, contacted those beings and said hey there's the question of how the obelisk aliens knew where to find destiny mm-hmm. there's something going on there completely unexplained is destiny broadcasting here i am here i am yeah i don't i don't think so <laughs> yeah sending out some kind of a ping right let's go on to visitation so we've got these characters back I thought that this was a fascinating episode. A part of me, and I've, I've established this on the show before, part of me kind of hoped that we would never go back to that planet and never go back to what happened to the people on it because I think that that was a really brave choice of storytelling was to just leave it open-ended and say, we don't always get to know all of the answers. I thought that that was fascinating. But now they're back, and according to all their stories, they died. There's some kind of a race out there or force or destiny that managed to bring them back to life temporarily. Their physical bodies, not necessarily their souls. That's also up for that's also up for grabs. But whatever it was, either chose not to prolong their lives, or was unable to, and they were only brought back for a limited period of time. Again, it's like TJ. You know that this this whatever force is is interested in and emotionally invested in a person's state of mind like TJ, you know, trying to get her to cope with the loss of the baby. Now with these people, giving them an opportunity to say goodbye. I think it's a very similar thread there. 
what did you think about that story? And what's the what is the scientific possibility of reanimating reanimating human tissue? I've been I've been interested to go down this road with you. It's kind of like this Frankenstein esque <laughs> yes, thing that they've exactly. got going on. It's alive. <laughs> that exactly brings it to mind. Um, I mean, in a lot of ways, we don't live in a mechanical universe after the advent of quantum mechanics into it, but. On the macro scale, we do. I mean, you can put this and this and this together in a pot if you are a sufficiently advanced civilization and mm-hmm. come up with a human body that can walk and talk. I've had doctors tell me they could keep a, a table alive. <laughs> um, it's just there's a point of why bother in our, mm-hmm. in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a point where someone is so far past any um, hope but these people I, I fall on the side of this is the way the alien civilization the alien entity planned it that they would re-die because uh, mm. I don't see if they if they were in perfect health just like the shuttle was in perfect health they would have just kept going there would have been no no bleeding from the nose and mouth and falling on the floor because back in the old exactly place, duplicating got, their deaths it, yeah so my feeling is that they, this was programmed in. They brought them back, but these deaths were already programmed into their, their bodies when they came back. And it was, it was just a saying goodbye, letting people know it could have been stay on the path warning. We don't know that it wasn't. You know, destiny has a purpose. You guys keep going. Don't stray again. This is your last warning. Mm-hmm. Or don't worry about those of us who have been left behind. So here's your answer to these people. You now know what happened to these people. Yeah, that's, that's true. more of a reason for you to keep going in the other direction. Right. There's nothing there. There's nothing behind you now except for Curtis and Palmer. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I do have a quibble with the visitation episode. Um, okay, it's not quite a quibble with the visitation. It's a quibble with the episode where they absolutely left them there in the very beginning. And that is that... I'm pretty sure that Destiny, at least, knew that this planet was in an orbit that would go through such a long winter. Maybe the crew didn't know. Maybe the crew wasn't aware of that because they didn't have enough time. They were, they were rushed. They weren't thinking of the data. But, mm-hmm. you know, three points is all you need in an orbit to calculate the whole orbit. It's really hard to believe that, that they didn't know that this was going to go into an extended winter. That was one of the things that ish, that bothered me too, especially when they ran a simulation, um, uh, the battle simulation, and the simulation of the of the of the ships in um, this most recent episode. Certainly, they could have used Destiny to simulate the um, the weather patterns on that planet and see what kind of an outcome it would have. But you know, they didn't really have time thought, to do that. I had thought that in Faith there was a mention of of the winter and of the the threat that that was going to be the, to the people who stayed behind and they decided to stay behind anyway hmm. uh, sort of you know Kane's Kane's faith that the aliens were going to come back and we're going to take care of them or save them or send them back to earth mm. yeah I was thinking that Destiny probably knew this I mean, we're, we're working on the assumption that Destiny showed the nebula to TJ when so that so that she would believe and then dropped out of real. FTL and it yeah. was there yeah, it kind of took so, a picture of it ahead of time and put it in yeah. her head, and then there it is. Yeah. So if Destiny knew that this planet was going to go into long winter and then worked out for TJ this scenario where it's okay, your daughter's okay, the 
the planet has huts now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's it. It doesn't come together for me. I, that's probably why this of all the episodes was one of my least favorite episodes. Mm. I guess it's the kind of thing where destiny was caught in its lie, in her lie. Yeah, it kind of figured that out. I mean, she she kind of figured it out after um, everyone came back. Since it was the only explanation, that her baby is not with them. So that's that seems to suggest a little bit more that Destiny did not plan on them coming back. So yeah, it's an interesting exactly. thought. Because it wouldn't have done that to her. It wouldn't have. It wouldn't have tried to. I mean, it would have taken. It would not have taken the risk of losing her trust. No, she's not back to where she was. She has moved forward in time, and oh. time heals all. Uh, she's not back to a, a weeping puddle. She's got. Oh yeah. Maybe Varro. There's interests other than that now for mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. Chloe has had an interesting journey this year as well. Uh, we, we began to see something of this in Lost when she was able to identify a completely foreign operating system on a completely foreign uh, starship. And now she's being physically transformed. What do you think is going on there? Oh, I'm so happy to see this. This is just great. I love that Chloe is changing. I want Chloe to be alien Chloe. You want her to turn into Zahn? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Spock. I don't know. She's got to be in there with the rest of the crew. She's been outside and outcast this whole time so far. She really has nothing to give people. She was a journalist, was it? Uh, She she was political. She she was working with her her father. a poli sci major working for her senator father, and she, uh, I think the most she contributed was sitting in her quarters and listening to her iPod. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now she's got things she can do, she's more powerful. See, I'm, I'm thinking that she's going to transform and yet still be there and part of them. I mean, I think she's the one that's going to save them in this last cliffhanger of an episode. Oh, yeah. She's the one. (laughs) She turned the ship around when Rush was left on the planet after he dealt with Simeon. She she was the one. She was the one who figured out things, and I, I believe in her now. And this transformation just makes her you know, super Chloe. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just happy about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you think happened to her? Do you think she was injected with something? I mean, what, what do you think physically happened to her when all this, uh, when this story is unraveled? So Rush was there with the aliens and he was there longer with them and nothing seems to have happened to him. Mm-hmm. So the, the Trojan horse idea doesn't really grab me because if indeed she was meant to manipulate the ship somehow to let the aliens, when the blue aliens catch up, get them past the shield, that that doesn't seem to fly with me. For one thing, they would not put blue on her skin because that's not a very Trojan horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what, that was one of my arguments. Yeah, but what I want to see, I, the blue aliens may be in another galaxy far, far away, and we never may see them again. They may be behind us. If we're traveling in a straight line, I know some people have been thinking that maybe we're circling. <laughs> but mm. If we're traveling in a straight line and Destiny's just going, going, they may not have the capability to catch up. They may be in the past. And Chloe now, mm-hmm. whereas what they were hoping for is for her to betray the Destiny's crew right away, right away in that same galaxy, right when they were in the in the battle with the Blue Aliens. 
now it's taken a mind of its own. I think the programming may have gone further and further, much further than they would have expected. They didn't expect her to live that long after the, you know, their battle. And it may have, it may be some sort of infection is perhaps not the right word, but something that's rewriting her programming on a very basic level Mm -hmm. so that she is turning into a hybrid, not losing herself as much as they would have hoped, but gaining more than losing. Interesting. That's my, that's my hope is that she stays with them, but in a a very altered state. Hmm. So perhaps this really slow rate of her transfer was not what the aliens intended. Right. They, this is, this is well beyond when they, what they thought she was going to have an expiration date. They, they could just have a very long game plan. I mean, who knows how long they've been traveling through galaxies? Who knows how long they've been waiting? They could have been waiting for a very long time. Who knows the lifespans of these beings? This sort of biological transformation, though, how, how plausible do you think this is? Obviously, a super advanced species, genetic manipulation and all that. I'm not sure how much you deal with that, that realm of science uh, in, in physics, but I suppose the the one thing that seems the least probable, I guess would be the right word to me, is the fact that she's a completely different species. So maybe they they know enough that they can affect their own species on that sort of biological level. But another species... Yeah, they didn't have her very long at all. That's why I'm thinking that it may not actually be her. The real Chloe may be actually on one of those ships. Oh, are you thinking? Mm-hmm. That's my opinion anyway. I don't think it's her. I hope it's not her. I think that that would be really cool. (laughs) So this Chloe, who seems like a zombie sometimes, is not the actual Chloe. No, she's a she's a duplicate. That's that's Ah. my thought. I'll probably be wrong, but hey, I'm I'm gonna run with it. (laughs) They have they have changed my mind so many times. I've I've thought one thing and then the next week the episode just leads me in a completely <laughs> different direction. I'm so dizzy. <laughs> but isn't that good storytelling though? I mean Oh it is. You, you don't see it coming from a mile away. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah that would be an interesting one if this is this is a, a complete duplicate but that didn't quite work. It was one of their people maybe even who volunteered mm-hmm. to take on the aspects of Chloe. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's now that part's back. wearing off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So she'd better get out and do whatever she needs to do as soon as she can, which may be what happens in the very end. She's, she beats that guy up. She, she, um, she beats up the officer who was following her. Maybe I've killed him. We have 10 more minutes with you. The big thing that I wanted and, and Darren wanted and I think all of us really want uh, your opinion on is uh, Destiny's uh, mission and what Rush has uncovered uh, from a scientific perspective, what you think is going on there. Cosmic background radiation and the Big Bang. If you could give us the Reader's Digest version of what this is from your perspective and uh, then your opinions on it, I think we would uh, all be very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, Reader's Digest version. Okay. In the 40s, someone made a prediction that if the Big Bang actually happened, we should see the cooled-off remnants of that Big Bang nowadays. What the Big Bang is thought to be is a cosmic fireball that expanded outwards the entire space-time continuum. Space itself expanded outwards, not like an explosion in space, an explosion 
of space, an expansion of space. So that in the first few seconds, the universe grew from the size it was to close to the size it is now. Immediately. The inflation was faster than the speed of light. Mm. The small variation in density in that cosmic egg is what's responsible for the patterns of the large-scale structure now in the universe. The, the network of galaxies, clusters of galaxies, super clusters of galaxies with these big voids in between. The patterns that we see on the largest scales were due to the, the quantum fluctuations in the original cosmic egg because of that rapid expansion. So the, the dark matter and the matter that we see collapse down into stars and galaxies about a billion years after the Big Bang. But in the very beginning, it was so hot that radiation couldn't go very far before being absorbed. Um, so it wasn't transparent to radiation. We can never see back further than looking out into space further than like 380,000 years after the Big Bang. At that point, like a, like a foggy day just clearing off, at that point the universe had cooled enough to become transparent to radiation. We could see through mm -hmm. and radiation could fly in all directions. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're seeing. The cosmic microwave background radiation is the radiation that was released when the universe became transparent at 380,000 years after the Big Bang. Stars and galaxies didn't form till a billion years later. What is that signal that we're seeing? We're just seeing a pattern that shows us that, that slightly modeled structure, but it's really very uniform. We're just seeing the pattern that, that reflects back to the original material in the cosmic egg. Those wavy lines on the view screen there, you think that that's what that is? Yes. The wavy lines on the view screen, and I saw the clip of exactly what, was, uh, what they were looking at. Mm -hmm. That looks different than what we're seeing as the cosmic microwave background radiation. We sent up uh, the, the COBE mission, and we've sent up a WMAP mission, and we just sent up the Planck spacecraft, got launched last year. But we haven't got data back from that one yet. But the other two, the maps that we see look speckled and mottled. <laughs> mm. not, not like the streaky wavy lines that we saw that they were looking at. But I'm, mm -hmm. I'm assuming that maybe they were looking at just something more precise than we've got. They say in the greater good that you know, our technology is not advanced enough, but destinies might be. Destinies maybe is to see this stuff. Mm -hmm. right. Otherwise, you'd be going out there, spending millions of years on this mission without the right tools, and that makes no sense. Yeah, Rush. Rush actually says, "I see a sign of intelligence that cannot possibly have been there by any current description of the universe, and yet there it is. I see mm -hmm. the greatest mystery of all time. I just, I love that. I love that line. Mm -hmm. We don't know. I mean, this is the best kind of speculation. We don't know. We're not there yet." We're, mm -hmm. We've got this rudimentary understanding of what the universe was like back then and 
the models that we have made fit absolutely perfectly with the observations that we've gotten so far. But we need to go further. We need better observations to actually answer some of the questions scientists are asking. And here's Destiny having this mission to go out and try to understand um, how that could be possible. I love how they phrase it because they really do phrase it that science as we know it can't, can't, can't appreciate what's going on. Rush doesn't call it a message exactly. He calls it fingerprints. Mm-hmm. That might be a better mm-hmm. word. So it's not perhaps a message to us, but just the imprint that was left over from beings or intelligence that existed before galaxies and stars? There's, there's our question. Like, how is that possible that they could have affected things so far back towards the beginning of time in our galaxy, mm-hmm. in, in our universe? Have you seen Through the Wormhole with Morgan Freeman? I have not. I should. There's a black hole episode. Not the black hole episode. I'm sorry. There's an episode that suggests that, uh, and I I may be getting this wrong, that um, the Big Bang may have been caused by a close intersection from a parallel reality that that injected matter into this universe. So it could be some kind of evidence of a parallel reality. Uh, Does that that sound right to you? Oh, there are lots of speculations along those lines. Um, Sir Roger Penrose was here talking last week, and he... He has an idea that that it's a very cyclical universe, that it expands and then contracts, Mm -hmm. and then expands and contracts. And, or, or I guess more precisely, it expands, and then a new universe is born from From our universe when entropy has run its course. Mm. Because now it's as if we're a black hole. Mm -hmm. Um, so there are lots of people speculating on what happened before the Big Bang. I mean, time started at the Big Bang, and yet scientists are theorizing possible things that could have happened in parallel or preceding the Big Bang. Would it leave a signal? Would it leave a message or a, a remnant somehow? And and that's what we're going to find out, aren't we? I can't wait. Mm-hmm. I want to see how this plays out. I have trust in in creators of Stargate that this is going to this is going to be a scientifically plausible, although out there, idea. Mm. Mm. Uh, so far, they haven't contradicted anything that's that we know. So the the question is: It's evidence of an intelligence having having existed prior to its own potential to exist. Those are mm-hmm. Rush's words. Mm-hmm. There is no way that I can think of how yeah. you could have had an intelligence back that far back in the universe's evolution. Yeah, it's a paradox. But you know, they're traveling faster than light. Uh, when you travel faster than light, you go back in time. And time travel, of course, is not impossible according to physics. Yeah. So could it be time-traveling aliens that went back to that beginning and thereby that's the signature we're seeing? (laughs) Or maybe it's us. Maybe (laughs) destiny goes back in time. Maybe we're the cause of the universe. Maybe that's the whole thing. 
See, now I did listen to the episode where you guys were talking about destiny going towards the center of the universe or towards the edge of the universe. And I just want to say mm-hmm. there is no center and there is no edge. I was right. I agree. <laughs> now, wait a minute. I've watched Star Trek V. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the center, that was the center of the galaxy. Yeah, that's the rim. And of the you edge may of the not galaxy. be aware of this, Diane, but there's this thing called the Great Barrier. Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, they were able to get to it in about, what, 12 hours or so from, from the Alpha <laughs> Quadrant. So, hey. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I have certainly thought that if they keep going in a straight line long enough, eventually they'll wind up back at Earth. Is that basically true? Well, it depends. Our universe has some sort of curvature. So mm-hmm. far, we've only noticed that it's flat. Mm-hmm. Just Euclidean geometry works. But it could have curvature so that it's spherical geometry would work. Mm-hmm. Or we just can't sa- see it. because Saddle-shaped geometry. Yeah. So if it was mm. a curvature, sort of a spherical geometry, yes, that would be true. But that's only one of many geometries the universe could have. Yeah, I, I mean, you could stare at the horizon line and it looks completely flat, but it is not. It's just your perspective of it is, is awfully minuscule. Yeah, we're just on the verge of, of sending out uh, satellites to check this kind of thing, too. So we will know in our lifetimes what the curvature of our whole universe is. You think so? Wow. I do. That is nuts. Thank you so much for coming back for another show. This was spectacular. <laughs> thank you for having me. And thank, thank you for, to Russell, of course, for making me sound much better than I actually sound. <laughs> <laughs> What I love so much, Diane, about about what I get from you is, is as a hardcore real world scientist, you're clearly, like the rest of us geeks, a fan of science fiction, and you see in science fiction and in storytelling like Stargate Universe, the wonder of the possibility of you know writers that are tapping into something that has a, a bit of a bit of plausibility and taking something that's that's part of tangible science right now like cosmic background radiation and using that as a platform to jump off and tell a story that mm-hmm. is just you know it's it's imagining the possibilities you don't shut it down with skepticism you say oh and you run with it <laughs> yeah it makes it easier for me to talk in my astronomy classes when i when i bring up these subjects and it gives you context there <laughs> You know, you Stargate watchers, look, we're talking about the cosmic microwave background radiation. (laughs) The potential is just amazing. The confluence of education and science and and science fiction. Yeah, that's what I love. Are most of your students sci-fi fans? Yes, actually. Well, I've been teaching uh, physics and science fiction at the University of Pittsburgh. (laughs) So, (laughs) yes, both. Excellent. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you asking me back. So where is it going to go next? And I hope I can come back and we can talk after a few more episodes. <laughs> We're guaranteed for another 10, so we'll see. Yay. All right. Yeah, we should do it again. A huge, huge thank you once again to Diane Turncheck yes. from Carnegie Mellon University and uh, a big fan of, of Stargate and glad to call her a friend of the podcast. Yes. So let's go on some listener mail. Yeah, we got uh, we did that big listener mail show a couple of weeks ago, and of course uh, we got buckets more. Some people still just finding out about the cancellation of SG mm. the first time and wanting to sound off. Other people just joining the conversation. So 
we've got a bunch of voicemail this week, and then uh, we actually got a bunch that I'm going to save for next time. And next time on the podcast, we'll do an open line night. So we'll talk uh, more voicemail, and anybody out there who has a, a topic they want us to talk about or a question that they want to ask, a topic, call in and add to our current stack of voicemails, and uh, we'll do a big open line night show. So let's get to this week's voicemail. Listener mail. Hi, Darren and Dave. This is Kyle from Blackstone, Massachusetts. I just wanted to give my two cents on, uh, you know, the first half of the second season. Uh, I thought um, uh, I've seen quite a bit of improvement in the show, or at least what I'd consider improvement. Um, Less character conflict. Um, I liked the banter between Camille and Colonel Young in Visitation about who creeps Camille out and who doesn't. Um, also, uh, Rush and Young aren't punching each other out in every episode, at least not the last few episodes of the first half of the season. Um, I enjoy the, uh, uh, banter in the last episode, um, when, uh, Greer questions why he's wearing the third suit that was just recently repaired. Uh, it shows a lot of the humor and some of the, the things that made the first show I'm sorry, um, SG-1 in Atlantis, uh, entertaining. Um, I'd like to see more of that in the second half of the season. I hope they show it, and um, I'm disappointed to see the show canceled. I will uh, not be tuning into sci-fi anymore, um, just for the last ten episodes, but then I'll be done with sci-fi. Have a good one. Hey guys, this is Harry H. from Albany, New York, a long-time listener, love the show. I'm calling tonight in regards to the cancellation of SGU and where I want to see the season go. Uh, I mean, of course, it's a bummer, you know, that for any long-time Stargate fan and any new fan to see a show get canceled, but it almost seems like it was going to, it was bound to happen. Uh, you know, network, like you guys talked about, the network didn't always seem fully confident and when they canceled Caprica, it almost seemed likely that they were only going to give SGU like two more tries, and then that's it. Uh, definitely Tuesday night killed it. I know myself that I've had to rely on iTunes now, and they don't really count that. So um, where I'd love to see the show, you know, I mean, of course, getting as many answers as I want, you know, as I can get. It, uh, it almost seems like the fate is similar to uh, an Atlantis kind of conclusion because that finale was lackluster, and one can only hope. Hopefully, though, the franchise will somehow renew itself in a couple years. It won't take so long like they did for uh, TNG, and uh, one can only hope. So thanks for listening, guys. I look forward to uh, listening to the next podcast. Hi, my name is Teresa, and I'm calling from O'Fallon, Missouri, and I love the Stargate franchise, and I wish they'd keep the Stargate universe going, the Stargate everything going. I just absolutely love the show. Thank you. Bye. Hi, I'm Christian, and I'm calling from San Antonio, and I just want to say I love the whole Stargate universe. But I'm reading right now online that it says that they've decided to cancel universe, and that's really upsetting because it was one of the best uh, Stargates out there, and I'm I'm thinking we uh us fans should get together and find somebody who works for one of these other networks like TNT or USA or one of the primetime TVs like CBS 
and get them to try to uh, bring out another Stargate franchise because um, that would be pretty cool. Um, I I just think this is really sucky what Sci-Fi did with uh, the whole cancellation of Universe. Uh, if you think this is a bad move, uh, say yes if you agree with me. Hello, this is Mark from Metro Detroit, and I love your podcast. And first of all is, you said any suggestions on what you can do on a future episode. So I had a couple of suggestions. Uh, All my suggestions are for future episodes. The first one is, I would love to see the episode about Destiny's Cosmic Mission. You said you were going to do that, um, Cosmic Mission, and you haven't done that one yet, so I'd love to hear that one. Also... Going on the theme of uh, of Stargate Versus, there's two I thought of. Star Wars, the obvious one. Obviously, they're completely different. Uh, they're completely different. One's a movie and one's a TV show for the most part. But they, they, they are they are considered sci-fi, even though I consider Star Wars to be fantasy. The other one is Halo. I don't know if you've ever played the games, but Halo also comes with a whole new suggestion is animated, um, Stargate Animation, would you ever want a serious Stargate animated series? They've done them in the past, and uh, to close out, and I would love to know what you think about future animation projects in Stargate, and to finish out, basically, Halo did this, Matrix did this, and Batman did this. Little, short, ten-minute segments, I think six apiece, where you tell different stories, and, uh, Basically, if you need to know anything about Halo's history, if you do want to do a, uh, if you want to do Halo versus Stargate, which I think would be a great one because they're so similar in so many ways, uh, go see Halo Wars and also see that to find out because I would love to see one of those in Stargate. Basically, every episode we get different people and we get different stories and we probably get the history of the ancients and finding out oh, how they built Destiny and all that. So. Well, sorry this is a little long, but I just wanted to give out a bunch of suggestions in future episodes, and hopefully you will do one on Stargate Animation, because I would love to see some serious Stargate Animation like they did in Clone Wars, Star Wars. It's doing really well, but I would want to see it a little bit more, a little bit more serious. Mark, you just heard us talking about the the mission of Destiny, and what we were, were originally thinking when I announced the topic of Destiny's cosmic mission as a main discussion topic was... Basically, what we just spent the last 10 or 15 minutes on with Diane. We ended up wanting to talk to her about other science-y things. So I'm still wondering, maybe between now and the time the show comes back in April-ish, in the springtime, that we may still want to do a mission show. Mm-hmm. What do you think, David? Just talk mm-hmm. about the mission. Um, not only the, the science of the cosmic background radiation, which we hit with Diane, but sort of the mission in the context of the story arc of Star Exactly. I would, like, I would like to do a show, basically, where we talk about our ideas of what the mission really is after having formed, spent some little bit more time forming it and also yeah. uh, give, a, give the listeners a chance to specifically comment on what they think is really going on. Yeah. So look for – that one morphed into this, but uh, look for the Destiny's Cosmic Mission show probably in March. And then Mark also asks, David, what do you think of some sort of a serious Stargate animated project in the future? Not Stargate Infinity, which was a kid's cartoon, but something like uh, anthology of stories like The Animatrix or something like that. I would love to see that. The, the question is, would fandom 
buy it and eat it up. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we've tried comics off and on. We've tried toys. The toys are now, you know, basically done. We've tried several different things, and you know, there there would have to be like a really big interest, I think, for it to to pursue something like the quality of the Animatrix, you know, because yeah. I mean, we got Stargate Infinity, and Stargate Infinity was, you know, though colorful and 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 it fun, was it was um, it was a letdown. So, all right, let's dip back into the voicemail bag for a little bit more. Hello. Yes, my name is uh, Stephen from Mechanicsville, Virginia. I uh, was just heard your last, uh, your most recent podcast, uh, your first one of 2011, um, as great as ever. Um, hopefully, they um, are able to find a way to resurrect uh, Stargate Universe uh, for um, one way or another, either through a new new network or something, as you said, and, or a book. And I agree that it was as good as uh, the even better in the second half, in second season, and hopefully the second half is as good as or better than the first, and they uh, figure a way to end it right. Hi, my name's Donna, and I'm calling from North Carolina, and I've just heard about the cancellation of um, SGU's uh, programming. Um, I'm just devastated. I don't know what else to say. I can't imagine not having or at least being able to look forward to new episodes of a Stargate. Um, I, I just can't imagine it. Devastation is the best word for it. Um, you tell us what we need to do to try to get another series or to get the universe um, renewed again um, and then for it to be left, the final episode to be left as a cliffhanger. That's just, I mean, God, that's just unacceptable for, for the fans. Um, anyway, we'll be listening to you and watching you online. Um, just let us know what we can do to keep our 14-year run going. Thanks. Yes, my name is Liz. Augusto, and I'm calling from Margate, Florida. Uh, I love the show Stargate Universe, and I'm very disappointed that it is being canceled. That's it. Hello, my name is Johnny from Springfield, Missouri, and I just want to say that the decision to cancel Stargate Universe is probably one of the most poor that sci-fi has ever made. I mean, you guys get a whole ton of good shows, and it seems like you keep on the dreck for a lot longer than you do the decent shows, especially amazing ones like the Stargate Universe, the only decent Stargate that you guys put out, uh, and the only decent sci-fi that I've seen since, like, Star Trek Voyager. So, good job, sci-fi. Way to fail. Thanks. Yeah, my name is Joe from Detroit. Uh, Just uh, want to express my disappointment of the cancellation of uh, Stargate uh, Universe. I thought it was the best, uh, by far, the best sci-fi uh, uh, show on at present, and uh, probably the best thing that's been on since uh, Star Trek Star Trek New Generation. So I'm not too sure why it's canceling. I guess there's a problem with uh, uh, you know advertising. I'm not too sure what what happened, but uh, not a good move by Sci-Fi, and uh, I definitely won't be watching wrestling. <laughs> 
Hey guys, I'm Billy. I'm 14 years old, and I'm calling from South Carolina. Uh, I was just—I had a question about the cancellation of cancellation at Stargate Universe. I was wondering, uh, is there any possible chance that uh, Stargate Universe can be bought back for sci-fi if the second half of the season two ratings were really good? Uh, and I was also um, wondering if there's chances that another channel, like Showtime, will pick it up again. We knew SGU was different when we were tuning in. So I think what Sci-Fi should have done was say, okay, we'll put SGU on and we'll renew Atlantis for season six and put it on right after. Because like you guys had said on the, your podcast of the cancellation of SGU, SGU wasn't a show that you can go to sleep on. And neither was Atlantis, but Atlantis was a bit better than Universe, like, sleep-wise. So, that's just what I think. David, what do you think? Any chance that sci-fi could bring SGU back if the ratings were just awesome in the spring? I've never known a, a network to do that. Have they ever done that? I mean, with, with Firefly like and Serenity, you know, they, they went to the movies. But, yeah. I don't know, it's expensive, that real estate on the Bridge Studios lot is expensive. Can you imagine the rent there? I mean, they're taking up they're taking up space. Those sets are taking up space that other shows could be using right now and that they could be making money off of. So that is that is not a cheap bill, I would imagine. So if you're going to leave yeah. the sets, let them sit around, you'd have to they have to get their act together pretty dang quickly if they're going to well, continue to pick it up. What it means is you know, MGM let the SG-1 sets stand after the show was canceled because they were continuing to be used. Uh, yeah, they, the were, they were producing other Atlantis, TV. And they let uh, the Atlantis sets stand because they were expecting to make that movie. And eventually they did have to strike the set. The SGU set, remember, uh, they normally start, they're normally writing by now and they start filming in February, March. Mm. So if Brad and company can get another production going some sort of third season deal somewhere else or online or a movie or something like that, a miniseries, then those sets are going to stay up because they're going to be used for that. And at that point, it's probably too late for sci-fi to come along yeah. in May or June and say, hey, we'd like to give this show another shot. Mm-hmm. I really doubt that it's going to be something online. Brad has expressed to you and me, I, th- I think yeah. we may have interviewed it before, in an interview that, um, that you know, that, Stargate deserves to be seen blown up on the television set. And if if they can't get a deal together and they're not committed to making a, a movie or something with those standing sets, then by May or June, those sets may not be around anymore. We've talked a little bit in the last week or so, I think, about the possibility of, of Stargate moving to another network, moving back to Showtime. That would be kind of cool to go full circle again. If Showtime would be interested in it, absolutely. Yeah. Now, something yeah. like a channel like FX or... I think they probably would have expressed interest by now. Yeah, it's uh, this is such a tough climate for science fiction, isn't it? I mean, people who listen to, to us are not just fans of Stargate, by and large, but they're fans of a lot of different science fiction. And so much of the voicemail that we've heard so far is echoing this, this thought that, you know, sci-fi has rebranded themselves, they've changed their name, they're, they're sort of getting away from science fiction and, and onto sort of a, a more general category of imagination or, or whatever. But the, the shows that they have, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard for pure science fiction, for, like, space-based sci-fi to find a good home. Um, mm. Fox remains committed to science fiction. Uh, and shows, keeps remaining committed to killing it. <laughs> and, and canceling. Fox remains committed to canceling <laughs> science fiction. 
Uh, I'm sorry. It's hard, to, it's hard to get a show to go for more than a year or two on Fox, although Fringe is doing well. Mm. But otherwise, Fox and Sci-Fi Channel, I mean, there's not much else. Uh, as far as other networks go, there, there are no networks that really seem super friendly to the science fiction genre. And if sci-fi is not going to re- seem friendly to the sci-fi genre, I think you're pretty much hosed. Yeah. So, I mean, and we're all used to that. You can, you can, you, you can hear the dismay in people's voices. You know that, in terms of science fiction, you know people their their sci-fi babies have died one after the other after the other. You know, a lot of shows just don't last, and they're quality shows, and we just don't get to see those stories completed. That's why I um, tend to not watch a show until. Uh, until it, it, it is clear to me that it's going to finish. I mean, I take chances with, with shows like V, but by and large, you know, I wait for it to get done, and then I jump into it. Yeah, Firefly gets canceled, and uh, those of us who didn't watch it in its first-run broadcast on Fox come back and pick it up on DVD because people rave about it so much. And you know that even if the story didn't get finished, even before Serenity was made, um, you you still know that this is something you just have to see. But yeah, it would be nice if Sci-Fi Channel would finish the stories that it, it coaxes us into investing ourselves in. Once again, our next show is going to be an open line night, so that's uh, anything and everything that's on your mind. Call into the voicemail hotline and leave us a message. Um, you could talk more about the cancellation, although we've been talking about that pretty constantly for about a month. Uh, you know, let's uh, get back to talking about Stargate. Let's talk about SG-1 and Atlantis. Let's talk about these next ten episodes of Universe and what you guys hope to see. So we're going to go, for February and March, I think we're going to go about every other week for the podcast. A couple weeks from now will be episode 116, Open Line Night. Uh, And then the first week of March or so, depending on how our publishing schedule goes, we'll be looking at Destiny's Cosmic Mission. And then we'll just have one or two more shows, hopefully before SGU comes back. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Big thanks to Russell for editing the show and a huge, huge thanks to Diane Turncheck for joining us once again. We gotta have her back. Yes, absolutely. Enjoy her very much. Give us a call anytime in the next week or two to the podcast hotline if you want to be a part of the Open Line Night show. That number is area code 951 262 1647. You can call anytime, day or night, or if you don't want to call a US based landline number, you can email a brief audio recording from your computer to webmaster at gateworld.net. That's right. You can always uh, type in a response in the podcast feedback thread in GateWorld Forum. Our show notes uh, news file also has a place for you to comment, and that is the exact same place where you can find all of the links and uh, various bits of information pertaining to the episode that you just listened to. So we'll see you back here in a couple of weeks. From GateWorld, this is Darren. This is David. And come back next time for more of the GateWorld Podcast. Podcast.